Influencing popular culture, politics, and everything in between. The local station takes you ringside as we discuss the crazy world that is professional wrestling. This is Going Ringside with The Local Station. Hello there, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Glo uh, Going Ringside. So glad you could be with us. I'm your host, Scott Johnson, as we unpack this crazy world of pro wrestling. Continue to spread the word for us anywhere you can. Family or friends who like wrestling, or if you're online wrestling groups, please let them know we're out here. This is episode 36, if you're watching in order. Before we go further, I want to talk about last week's episode 35. Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, wrestling legend, Bronson Reed, Raw Superstar, had both men on. It was a great episode. That Million Dollar Man uh, interview was really good. He talked a lot about how Vince McMahon came up with this gimmick of a rich heel that everyone would hate, goes in to talk about uh, problems he had with infidelity and reconciling with his wife, turning his life over to the ministry, becoming one of the biggest ministers in the country. And he also talks about a very newsworthy item, the federal indictment of his son, Ted Jr., and the federal investigation of his family. If you want to hear what he has to say, take a look back right now at episode 35 of Going Ringside. Also, Bronson Reed giving us some great stuff, talking about making his way out of Australia, coming over to Florida, where he lives now, down near us. And... Um, going from NXT and now becoming a superstar on Raw. So good interview there as well. You can go check it out in the archives right now, episode 35. We've got a couple things in store today. A little later on in the show, we are going to take up the debate of the greatest wrestling manager of all time. After something Paul Heyman had to say, very mean-like about Bobby the Brain Heenan. You want to scroll ahead if you want to hear that debate about who is the GOAT of wrestling managers. But something has happened in the last few weeks that has really taken wrestling by storm because it brings in some of the biggest mainstream non-wrestling celebrities in the world today are being sucked into the wrestling world whether they want to or not. Put them on the screen right now. I am talking about the power couple of the entertainment and NFL world. That would be Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, and talks that they've been dating. Taylor, of course, has been to all those Kansas City Chiefs games, and the NFL cannot put her on screen enough. Is there rumored to be in a relationship? And uh, Travis Kelsey is everywhere right now on all the major commercials. Taylor Swift is obviously maybe the biggest music star in the world right now. So what happened? Well, it involved a star on WWE SmackDown named Grayson Waller. So Grayson Waller, good star for, uh, for SmackDown, rather. He used to be on NXT. He was drafted to SmackDown earlier this year, and he's had a lot of good stuff. He's had some face-offs with John Cena, with Edge, before he left WWE. He's been involved in some good angles. So Grayson Waller is a good, solid star for SmackDown right now. But let's be honest. What is a wrestling star in the general world of celebrities? Unless you're The Rock or John Cena, you know, historical guys maybe like Austin or Hulk Hogan, you're not an A-list celebrity. Good, solid wrestlers are maybe B-list, C-list celebrities. It just is what they are. In wrestling, they're A-list. All the wrestling fans love them and talk about them. But outside of wrestling, they're not that well-known. So what does Grayson Waller do? 
he decides to pick somewhat of an online feud with arguably the biggest celebrity couple on the planet right now. Not a bad idea when you're trying to promote yourself. So he goes on to a, a WWE's The Bump podcast, and he's asked about Travis Kelsey. Uh, there's been rumors Travis Kelsey, the star for the Kansas City Chiefs, is a wrestling fan. So he says a quote, a soundbite, I'm going to read that for you right now, that set the internet on fire. This is what he had to say. Now, generally, if you say something on a podcast and you're a wrestler, you can set wrestling world on fire. But seldom does it bleed over into mainstream publicity. Grayson Waller figured out how to do that when he said this. Hey, good for Trav. Like, I'm not the kind of guy that would settle for a six, but to each their own. Me, personally, I like a bit of spice. So he essentially, in that soundbite, called Taylor Swift arguably the biggest singer on the planet, a six. That set everyone off. That got attention. That got a lot of Taylor Swift fans going on X and wherever to criticize this guy, Grayson Waller, for calling Taylor Swift a six. And what did he do with that? Well, he did something that was really smart. He doubled down and he played into it. Grayson Waller is a heel. And it is his job as a performer to piss people off, to tick people off, to make them angry and um, make them not like you, make them boo you, make them want to hate you. And he's really good at doing that with the SmackDown audience, but he just found a whole mega audience out there who don't follow wrestling who are now following him. Him, and they're angry at him for calling Taylor Swift a six. So what does he do? He sees the writing on the wall. He's got something here. Seldom do wrestlers do something in the wrestling world that triggers the outside world, outside of that wrestling bubble, the general entertainment industry. So I'm arguing in very smart fashion from a PR perspective, Grayson Waller went on and apologized. I'm using the quote marks right now because you're about to listen to what's not really an apology. Let's show after everything blew up within 48 hours what Grayson Waller went on X, formerly Twitter, and said to the fans of Taylor Swift. Here it is. Uh, it's, it's been a crazy 24 hours. Uh, I know a lot of people are upset about a joke I made on the bump about Taylor Swift. And, and a lot of those people are new to me, don't know who I am. So, so for those people, my name is Grayson Waller, uh, the hottest superstar in WWE right now. Uh, Madison Square Garden main eventer, host of the Grayson Waller effect. Um, and to sum everything up, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, uh, I'm sorry that you define yourself by another woman and her accomplishments. <laughs> it's kind of sad, to be honest. Now I've got all these swamp donkeys in my DM saying mean things, you know, saying I'm a zero out of 10. Hey, leave the rest into the professionals. Stick to trading friendship bracelets like a bunch of four-year-olds, you know? Oh, Taylor's cat has more money than you. First of all, only two types of people have cats, witches and crazy old cat ladies. Second of all, with all this negativity going around, I think it's time for someone to bring some positivity. And that's what I do, I bring positivity, you know? I'm an inspirational guy, so for anyone who's had to deal with this before, uh, 
I just need you to know that the haters are gonna hate. Hate, hate, hate. So all you gotta do is shake it off. <laughs> this song sucks. No wonder you people are so grumpy. So that was his response on X or Twitter. I think it's brilliant. Because his audience there was obviously, in, in one respect, wrestling fans. Wrestling fans already know he's a heel. They know what to expect. They know to boom. They'll click on it. They'll like it. They'll whatever. But that Taylor Swift audience who maybe doesn't watch wrestling, who's already mad, they hate him that much more now. And they probably want to see him get beat up. I, I was immediately uh, noticed this a few hours, like an hour after he posted, I immediately got on the Going Ringside TikTok channel because I'm like, we got to get on this. This involves wrestling and Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. That is a match made in um, public relations heaven, in media star heaven. Um, so I got on TikTok and once again, give us a follow at the at Going Ringside TikTok channel. We're putting exclusive content out there every day that you won't see on the podcast, stuff like this. Hey, I'm Scott Johnson, host of the Going Ringside podcast. Click our link in the profile to hear the show. Grayson Waller has just blown up this whole thing with Taylor Swift after he talked about Travis Kelsey and called Taylor Swift just a six. That got the whole internet ablaze. And then in the last hour or so, he's gone on X or Twitter to apologize, only he didn't apologize. He stayed heel, mocked the people who were outraged by this. He's playing into it, obviously. He knows if he brings Taylor Swift's name, if he brings Travis Kelsey's name into his character, that's money for him, that's eyeballs on him, that's manufactured controversy that he gets out of it. He is benefiting from this big time, and if he continues in his character, he will play it through as long as he can. And if he can get Travis Kelsey or Taylor Swift to respond at all, expect to see that on SmackDown as the lead story everywhere. So, that happened. Great PR for Grayson Waller. Brought an all-new fan base who might want to tune in and see him get his butt kicked. That's essentially the goal of wrestling. You've already got the diehard fans. If you can bring in other fans, that is essentially the goal of a performer. You know WWE has to be liking this. <clears throat> but where does it go from here? Does he, get a does he get a few headlines here for a week and that's it? Or like and I'm sure WWE is talking to him about this in production meetings, do they want to push this further? And do they want to find a way to bring Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift into the WWE universe, even for a guest spot? It looks like they might be trying to get that. Who knows if they'll be successful? Because look what he said as a follow-up on the Bump podcast to Travis Kelsey, an explicit message to Kelsey, who rumor has it may be a wrestling fan. Why don't you get in the ring and defend her honor? You seem like a good guy. Why don't you come and say something to me about it, lad? Says lad, that's his way he talks. He's originally from Australia. Brilliant marketing. And here's why. First off, let's look at the past. WWE has brought in major 
A-list football stars before. Starting in the 80s, I think it was WrestleMania 1 or 2, William the Refrigerator Part Perry, short after he won a Super Bowl, and he's the biggest thing going. WrestleMania 11, Lawrence Taylor, at the peak of his fame, was brought in to face Bam Bam Bigelow at the main event of WrestleMania 11. The fact that I say main event is kind of telling. If you go back and look at WrestleMania 11, kind of the main event that fans were watching was Shawn Michaels versus Sid Vicious. That was the championship match, but that was the second to the last match. Bam Bam Bigelow was not the top star, but Lawrence Taylor was a bigger star than all of them. They made the LT match against Bam Bam Bigelow at WrestleMania 11 the main match on the show. Why? Not because wrestling fans may have been wanting that over Sid versus Shawn, because they knew eyeballs outside of WWF at the time would have tuned into WrestleMania to see Lawrence Taylor. They knew mainstream press would have covered WrestleMania to see Lawrence Taylor. And they knew that would happen. There have been other big stars, Shaq, other guys like that, but they have had other, um, you know, big football stars over the years and it, we, we knew something like this could be used. They have, and so my point being is if he can antagonize Kelsey enough and possibly if WWE and the price is right and Kelsey's willing to do it for a one-off, they can bring in arguably the biggest power couple in the world. If you can have, if you can have, I've seen some people speculate, do they, does Taylor Swift want to be a manager? Would Kelsey perform in one match? He's a good athletic football player. He's a top-level athlete. He could probably handle one match in the ring. And I've seen some people speculate about what pay-per-view it would be WrestleMania. I mean, you do not put stars like that at Royal Rumble or a, or a, or a monthly pay-per-view, one of your lesser pay-per-views. If you got the biggest stars in the world, you put them at Mania. You build the entire show around them. And I guarantee you, if they're successful, I don't know that they would be. I don't know that Kelsey or Taylor Swift would be interested. But if they were, you can guarantee the entire buildup to WrestleMania will be about them. It will be about having Travis Kelsey involved. And also, look at the timing. Timing is key. When does WrestleMania happen? WrestleMania happens after the NFL season is over. There's probably between Super Bowl and Mania, maybe a month and a half, two months. So Travis Kelsey, he's on the Chiefs. He's likely going to make the postseason. We don't know how far in the postseason, but they were Super Bowl champs last year. So Travis Kelsey will likely, at bare minimum, be playing football into late January. There's one caveat here. You know, how strong is his and Taylor Swift's uh, relationship? We don't know. But if it remains and they could have her in the playoffs, they could have her show up at a Super Bowl, the NFL, which is bigger than WWE, by orders of magnitude, puts her on camera as much as possible because they know how big of a deal having her on camera is. It's why you see a lot of uh, non-football fans, a lot of female fans tuning in saying, oh, I want to watch now because I know who Taylor Swift is. Now I know who Travis Kelsey is. It's why he's on all the commercials, on all the big-time commercials nowadays. 
Travis Kelsey is everywhere right now. So if WWE can pull this off, uh, Rob Gronkowski, I didn't want to say his name because I, I was blanking on his name. Rob Gronkowski, they did something with. I wouldn't argue he's as big as Taylor Swift right now because Gronk, or as Travis Kelsey, because Gronk isn't dating, dating a megastar. But either way, if you can bring him into mania, you know, we talk about Roman Reigns, maybe The Rock would return. If you have Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey at WrestleMania, the whole show is going to be built around them. That will be all the publicity. That will be all the talk. So be ready for that. And usually how they do this is they make a deal with them. You know, if they are willing to come in, you maybe agree to be on one or two shows in a buildup. Or, or you agree to uh, tape this, you know, segment or whatever. Uh, it, it, WWE would have to negotiate a deal with them to bring them in. And you can imagine WWE, who, by the way, has a bunch of money right now because they just did this merger, and they have UFC kind of in their back, might be willing to do whatever they can to get Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift in. So do not be surprised if this whole Grayson Waller, Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift thing does not fizzle out but continues. I mean, at the end of the day, it could just be a guy trying to get attention. He's doing a good job of it, and it fizzles out, and it goes nowhere. But you know when they do WrestleMania, they like to get the biggest stars absolutely possible. And you know, everyone thinks, well, it's got to be The Rock. Yeah, that's true. They might want to get The Rock in at WrestleMania 40. They might want to get guys like Hulk Hogan. Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift is something different. If you can get them right now when they are at the peak of their celebrity. Their, their relationship wasn't a year ago. It's now. It's today. It is eyeballs on your product. And that is what WWE is all about at the end of the day, is getting people to pay to watch your content, to go buy a ticket, to get mainstream publicity outside of the wrestling world. And Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift could do that. So just uh, something to keep in mind as we watch where this all goes. And we will be watching it because if Grayson Waller can do this, this will take him to the next level. They often put guys like this with The Miz because The Miz is really good at working with uh, celebrities. Uh, Jerry Lawler was really good in the day at working with celebrities back in the day. And it was really the feather in the cap of Bam Bam Bigelow when he faced Lawrence Taylor. I mean, that was his, that was the peak of his career. He, he, main, he main evented a WrestleMania. It didn't really do much for Bigelow afterwards. He kind of just went back into his old, old school gimmick where he'd been, did ECW, did WCW, and Bigelow didn't, I don't think he ever was able to capitalize on it, but Grayson Waller might be able to. We'll have to see. Um, so this was just a story that's really popped up in the last couple of weeks that we need to watch closely because if they are successful, WWE and Grayson Waller, this will be the center of WrestleMania 40. I guarantee it. This will be the center of Mania 40. And I, I mean, I don't know how into this, if Travis Kelsey, I could see Travis Kelsey being more agreeable. And, and there's that rumor that I've seen over the years that Taylor Swift used to babysit Jeff Jarrett's kids back in the day before her fame took over. So maybe she has a, you know, you know, Maybe wrestling's kind of in her heart, too. Maybe she's not opposed to it. So we will have to see. And, and a lot of A-list celebra celebrities over the years have gone to WrestleMania. They may not want to appear on Monday Night Raw as much, but they will go to a WrestleMania because the payday is big, because the eyeballs are big, because they get exposed themselves to a, a large audience. The biggest audience in wrestling is who tunes in for WrestleMania.
and I mean just broad as far as marketing. I'm not talking about, you know, AEW could argue, well, we had a bigger crowd in London than WrestleMania did. Mania is still the, the crown jewel. I'm not talking WWE crown jewel like what's going on in Saudi Arabia. Just in general, the crown jewel of the industry. And they may be, they may be agreeable to coming there. And Travis will be in the offseason, the beginning of his offseason. Um, he might be agreeable to do it kind of the way um, Lawrence Taylor was back in the mid-90s. So we will be watching, but that is not the only thing I want to cover on the podcast today. There's something else I wanted to talk about. I've been saving this for a couple months, but stuff keeps happening. Haven't been able to get to it. I want to get to it today. And that involves one of my favorite debates in pro wrestling. The greatest manager of all time. I get on a lot of wrestling websites all the time, and I inject myself in a little debates on who's the greatest manager. You have great ones out there. You have Jimmy Hart. You have Jim Cornette. Cornette's really in the debate on is he one of the greatest. Freddie Blassie back in the day. Miss Elizabeth. Sherry Martell. Um, and s some modern ones today. So... This really started to get some press here in the last couple months when Paul Heyman did something. Paul Heyman went on Stephen A. Smith's show on ESPN with Roman Reigns, and he was there to promote Roman Reigns, talk about how great Roman is. And Paulie was uh, really in, you know, he was living the gimmick at that point. He was really playing up the Paulie Heyman character. And Stephen A. Smith is a very good controversial host. He's one of the best hosts in all of sports. And they start talking about who's the GOAT of managers, who's the greatest of all time. Because historically, in most discussions that I've seen, and I adamantly agree with it, it's Bobby Heenan. Bobby Heenan is arguably the greatest manager to ever live because he was the greatest entertainer. Wrestler, non-wrestler, Bobby Heenan could do it all. He would go out there and he would make you laugh, make you hate him, like no one else ever could. McMahon had him host primetime wrestling. McMahon had him be a commentator. McMahon had him be the manager and the kind of the valet for Andre the Giant at their biggest event ever, WrestleMania III, when he challenged Hulk Hogan. He was Hulk Hogan's nemesis at Hulk Hogan's peak for a reason, because Bobby Heenan was extremely gifted. Arn Anderson at Bobby Heenan's... Um, Hall of Fame speech, I think it was in 2004, said, Bobby is as good as any comedian on television. He's as good as Johnny Carson. He's as good as anyone we've ever seen. And they had him in wrestling. Bobby, if, if you're a younger fan and have not appreciated Bobby Heenan, I cannot say enough to go watch more of Bobby Heenan. He was just amazing. And when you look at it as far as managerially, uh, the peak of Bobby was... Um, being the manager for Andre the Giant when Andre the Giant turned heel and faced Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 3. Arguably the most famous uh, match in the history of wrestling. Um, and he managed everyone. He was Hulk Hogan's nemesis. Uh, Big John Studd, um, King Kong Bundy, Haku, Ravaging Rick Rude, Mr. Perfect, for a time, Ric Flair. And then eventually he stepped away from managing just did the shows, and then he left WWF and eventually went over to WCW. He was one of the lead commentators there, and he gave up managing, partly because he had a broken neck and he needed to have neck surgery. He broke his neck in the, I think, early to mid-1980s, was never able to get it finally corrected. He finally had the surgery and was very sensitive about being able to move around. But for those years, Bobby was the best. 
everyone looked to Heenan. Everyone hated Heenan. When you put WWF performers on Regis, on Arsenio, on the top shows, the top entertainment shows in the 1980s and 1990s, you all, many times it included Bobby Heenan. He was just gifted. He was arguably, he's my, in my opinion, he's the most talented wrestling performer in history. Bobby Heenan is that good. But in the last number of years, Paul Heyman's historical stock has continued to rise. Polly started in WCW um, as Paul uh, Polly Dangerously, and he was a manager there for a lot of guys like Steve Austin, and he had uh, the Dangerous Alliance. I think Rick Rude is part of it for a while. Then he goes and starts ECW. And that's when Polly really became a legend because he kind of became a, a smaller version of Vince McMahon, starting his own alternative wrestling group, <clears throat> competing with WCW and WWF when they were at their peaks in the Attitude and mid-90s when the NWO was around. Polly really became legendary in the company as, as a booker. And then he comes to WWE, WWF, WWE after ECW folds. He brings in all his ECW guys, the Dudley boys, Taz, and then he goes and starts managing this new up-and-coming star, or as he called him, the next big thing, Brock Lesnar. I, I, can't, I can't do Polly justice. And he was Brock's guy for many years as Brock became a, a champion. And Polly has been there on and off consistently for years, and now he's Roman Reigns' guy. And he's the lead heel on all the shows. You pub Polly on, and it's gold. And there has been talk that Bobby was always here. Has Polly surpassed him? I mean, is his time with Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar as good as Bobby Heenan with Andre the Giant and Rick Rude and Mr. Perfect? Well, I want to show you what Paul e. said when he goes on Stephen A. Smith's ESPN show a couple months earlier this summer and is asked, you know, who's the GOAT to managers? This is what Paul e. had to say. And what is it like to be you? I'm the GOAT. The GOAT? I'm the greatest of all time. Really? Yeah, undisputed. Undisputed? I mean, yeah. there was Bobby the Brain Heenan back Screw in the day. Screw him, he's yeah. dead. Screw him, he's dead. That was in the headlines all over the country. Screw him, he's dead. <laughs> I mean, that's cold. Uh, and you know, when I talked to wrestling fans, you know what they told me? Bobby would have loved it. Bobby would have loved that line. That is similar to Bobby Heenan. Bobby was the ultimate heel, Paul E playing the ultimate heel. And now saying he's the best, the greatest of all time about Bobby Heenan, Screw him, he's dead. So it is a great debate. Is Paul Heyman as good as Bobby Heenan? And are they the only two in the conversation? There's a lot of Jim Cornette fans out there saying, no, no, and other guys out there, Jimmy Hart, Freddie Blassie, Mr. Fuji. So, Sherry Martell. So, and some people now. So we want to have that debate. So I reached out to our friends over at the Coming Down the Aisle podcast to join us and talk a little about the who's the greatest manager of all time. Does what Paul Heyman said have any merit to it? Or is it still Bobby? 
or is it someone else? Here's our interview with our friends from the going, uh, Coming Down the Aisle pod that podcast, the Coming Down the Aisle podcast, to discuss the greatest managers of all time. Here it is. Well, we're excited to be joined today by John Swallow with the Coming Down the Aisle podcast. John, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Scott. Thank you so much. Uh, it's a pleasure to be in on. Well, tell me all about time. Coming Down the Aisle. Uh, tell me all about it, where people can find it. Uh, tell me everything we need to know. Yeah, sure. Uh, you can find me at comingdowntheisle.com. I'm part of a network of podcasts, wrestling podcasts, called The Pod Foundation, myself, Chick Foley Show, Extra Cooler, and Turnbull Tavern each week week we uh we we uh we dive into wrestling all you know but my my podcast is coming down the aisle coming down the aisle pod.com where you can find uh a show each and every week and we also do a top 10 list every two weeks top 10 of something whether it be managers or uh SummerSlam events or whatever <laughs> well let's get to why we're here and that is the paul Heyman shock the world insensitive soundbite that was on ESPN a few weeks ago. Um, so let's set it up for our viewers if you didn't see it. You can go find it. So Paul Heyman is on the Steve, along with Roman Reigns, is on the Stephen A. Smith uh, ESPN show, one of ESPN's top guys, top shows, very high profile, sitting there with the belt over his shoulders. And he says, I'm the GOAT. I'm the greatest of all time as far as managers are concerned. And then uh, Stephen A., Asked him, well, what about Bobby Heenan? A lot of people say he's the GOAT. And without much compunction, Heyman goes, screw him, he's dead. <laughs> that set wrestling world on the internet on fire. Yes. John, what do you take away from Paulie's comments about the brain? Well, um, if you take if you look at it in a kayfay perspective, he definitely has an argument, right? Um, kayfay, you know, if you're not familiar with that term being you know, in storyline. I mean, he, he definitely is the most decorated manager, uh, having managed several world champions, you know, Brock Lesnar, of course, being one. But if you go even go back way way back at WCW, managed Rick Rude, who was at that one time the WCW international champion, which was their top title at the time. So he he does definitely has a, a point. He could be the GOAT. Very very much. But, but, but I wanna change. I wanna get to the GOAT part in a minute. I wanna get to the the insensitivity. <laughs> he really okay. tweaked a lot of people. What do you think? Do you think he went overboard? I don't think he did. You don't uh, think he did? I don't think he did. Uh, it's it's pro wrestling, first of all. Um, I think, uh, you know, Hulk once said, you know, one time uh, something like, don't work yourself into a frenzy or don't work yourself into a shoot people, you know. Uh, he he knows what buttons to press you know, and then yeah. what, what, what to uh, incite the wrestling audience, especially the wrestling internet, who very much can be uh, very responsive to comments, uh, you know, whether it be, you know, in ring or out of the ring. I talked so, to one wrestling friend of mine who immediately said Heenan would have loved that. I agree. I 100% agree. I mean, if you hear some of the, the comments that Heenan said at his time, I mean, it, whew, you know, it, there, there, there could have been uh, construed uh, a certain way. Sure. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I think he would have loved it. You know, I mean, he would have been right in line. So, so um, uh, let's, I want to do all ma ma greatest managers of all time, but right now I want to do the Polly versus the Bobby discussion. Mm -hmm. uh, so talk to me. I mean, Bobby's Andre. I mean, that's iconic. Mm -hmm. That's as great as it gets. 
Mm-hmm. But Heyman has been every main guy for 25 years. Who do you think gets it here? Bobby or Polly? So personally, myself, and this is, of course, very subjective. Um, Bobby Heenan is actually on my probably top 25 all time list. Performers list. Just I'm performers about- in general. Yeah, right, right. Hogan, Flair, all those guys. Right. And the reason is a couple different reasons. Is obviously he can talk. Um, he would get, you know, be able to get guys over very easily, you know, whether you were Haku or Mr. Perfect, you know, um, somebody who, you know, maybe wasn't, uh, as eloquent on the mic, you know, or just by him being there was elevated. Um, and so it's, it's that of course his commentating skills, which Paul, I was on the com was a commentator at one point for a little while in WWE, uh, and and then you know the way for me what it, what sets off is his ability to, to perform in the ring, and that doesn't get really showcased enough. I don't I don't I, yeah. don't, I feel Bobby, Bobby could take bumps as well as anyone. Right yeah. right right. Bo- Bobby was a wrestler at one point, and then he transitioned into the managerial role. Um, this was way back in the fifties and sixties is when he was, yeah. he was wrestling. Um, he would, I think he wrestled around like circ in circuses and things like that. When it was more of a traveling kind of corny, uh, promotion type deal. Yeah. So, uh, he, he definitely, he definitely was able to perform in the ring and then he showed some of those skills when, while he was in WWE, WWF, uh, or, you know, during the eighties and nineties, uh, Partially into the '90s, should I say? But uh, that that to me really just sets it off. And he he was so versatile. He was a five-tool player, in my opinion. So um, yes, in a kayfabe perspective, Paul Heyman is the goat. He's managed, like I said, Rick Rude, Steve Austin, Arn Anderson. That's his all in WCW. Brock Lesnar, uh, Roman Reigns, The Usos. You know, you know. So let's on. talk about it. So Heenan's probably. Biggest managerial role has got to be Andre. I mean, that WrestleMania three is iconic. I mean, that's as high profile as it gets in pro wrestling history. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's got Mr. Perfect. The flair thing didn't last very long, No, (laughs) but, but, but I think Bobby's big ones were the Heenan family and Andre. I mean, when you think Paul, I would say his biggest managerial role was probably Lesnar. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah, because and here's a great perspective. I was listening to, uh, to broken, uh, uh, broken, uh, open, uh, uh, XM radio show anyway, um, and uh, they they were busted open. This was busted open. Me. Yeah, yeah, yes. And you're complaining you know, with uh, Steve Austin's broken yeah, skull or whatever it is. Yeah. Yes. Mark Henry said something that was interesting that he he thinks Brock Lesnar is the second greatest attraction of all time behind Andre the Giant. Really. Yeah, and if you oh. think of that, the reason being is um, uh, Brock doesn't need a title. He doesn't need a championship. Yeah. Brock comes in, and he's Brock, and he's going to draw eyes, much like Andre did. Now, going back to the perspective of Bobby Heenan, especially in that WrestleMania three build, all Andre needed was to be aligned with Bobby for that, for that program to get started. Because if you remember – Hulk uttered these words, what are you doing with this guy, brother? And immediately, that was magic. And we were 
off to the races. So, so I'll say one thing about Bobby that we overlook because we think about who he managed, but also his feud with Hogan. Mm-hmm. I mean, that can't be understated. He was right. essentially Hogan's maybe almost longest nemesis. Yes, yes. Even until when Hogan turned heel at Bash of the Beach. Yeah. You know, uh, Bobby was not sure. And I know a lot of people say, oh, he kind of ruined it. I don't think he did. I think he was in K-Vabe just saying, well, whose side is he on? Because <laughs> I know I know Hulk. He's not a good guy in K-Fabe land, of course. Um, and uh, you know, I know who he is, and you know, he's he's a you know, he's a bad guy basically. So yeah, it's very interesting how that, that's turned One around. thing I was wondering about was mainstream crossover, because you know, mm-hmm. we see Paul, he was on Stephen A. Smith's show, so obviously that's a right. big deal. But Bobby was on Arsenio Hall. Bobby mm-hmm. was on um, I think the Tonight Show at one point in in the big in Regis and Kathy Lee, the, kind of the biggest shows of the day, which probably are even with ratings in the '80s, probably bigger than all these other shows. Yeah, yeah, I, and I can even remember him being on like, as a kid, being on Nickelodeon and things yeah. like that. Uh, he was everywhere. Um, he was arguably probably like a, the face of um, you know WWE back then, you know, because he was on almost every program you know, between superstars and, um, well, I guess he wasn't necessarily on superstars, but, you know, he's definitely on the big pay-per-views, primetime wrestling, uh, you know, Monday Night Raw in the early years. Um, uh, You know, he was everywhere, so. And uh, one thing I cannot encourage our viewers enough, one of my favorite memories as a child in wrestling was when we turned on the show, I didn't know what it was, on USA one night, the Bobby Heenan show. Oh, yes. His talk show. It's on YouTube. Go back Mm. and watch it. It was ahead of its time. Bobby was by far ahead of his time. I even heard, Uh I think Bruce Pritchard told the story that um, USA didn't know what it was, and they didn't tell USA about it. They're like, what is this nonsense with (laughs) 80-year-old strippers and Jameson and stuff on our our primetime television? So, well, let's, let's bring it to beyond just, well, hang on, one other thing. Before we move on to all managers, Polly has the, it's kind of unfair because he was the booker for ECW. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that kind of made him almost, I mean, he was smaller, but kind of McMahon and Bischoff level, don't you think? Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, he's right there in Monday Night Wars. I mean, arguably, you know, WWF, WWE took a lot of things from ECW. So he's kind of very innovative and, uh, and you know, had a lot of foresight didn't have necessarily the the money to back everything, but had he, he could have been toe to toe and definitely could have had a three way war. Well, let's, Monday Night war. let's broaden it out. So the debate lately has been Bobby and Polly. It's a good debate, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's the end of the debate. There are others. Who would you say is is in the in the conversation? Uh, all time. Well, I'll, I'll mention this name because he mentioned it <laughs> right afterwards. So he definitely must think highly, even though he was speaking <laughs> not very fondly of this person, but Jimmy Hart, um, Jimmy yeah. Hart is definitely somebody that, uh, I think is very influential as far as manager. I mean, he was there back in Memphis with the Andy Kaufman and Jerry Lawler stuff. Yeah. Um, of course, Hart foundation, uh, managing the original Heart Foundation, managing Honky Tonk Man and Nasty Boys, and into Hulk Hogan. 
the, yeah, the, all his uh, stuff in WCW. Yeah. I mean, he managed a lot. He managed Dungeon of Doom and all the stuff with Hogan. Yeah, you're mm-hmm. right, Jimmy. I don't know that Jimmy was as good of a talker. I mean, he was loud. He had the megaphone and everything. Right, right. As maybe a Bobby or a, or a Holly, but he he was everywhere and he knew how to work and he knew how to take bumps too. Right. Yes. Yes. Um, I will definitely also say uh, sensational Sherry Sherry Martell. Yep. Um, fabulous manager. I mean, again, somebody who could take bumps. Um, she, of course, was a wrestler as well. Um, and, you know, definitely started the career of Shawn Michaels, heartbreak kid. Um, well, let's talk about the guy when I look at this. Every time I see people rank these on wrestling fan sites, the one who always discuss next to Bobby, it's not as much Heyman as Jim's Cornette. Yes, they're very much very controversial, of course, with his yeah. takes. Um, Do you think and, James E. has the could make the argument that he's the top guy? I mean, he could talk as well as anyone. Oof, top guy? Hmm. I I I don't think so. I think Paul has passed him at this point. You think? Okay, interesting. Yes. yes, I mean, and that's mainly because if we're talking, you know kind of kayfabe but but also behind the scenes things paul has done a lot more in my opinion for the business than james Cornette uh has and that's not saying speaking you know i mean i would put private Cornette in the third position although yeah. there's another guy right now that is nipping in his heels and he's an aw mr don callis <laughs> don callis is getting better at it and don callis I mean, wasn't he the jackal back in the '90s yeah. in WWF? And he was had the jackal, stuff. yeah, yeah, and and then he was also Cyrus the Virus in ECW, um, and uh, of course that was pretty much the end of his career until he made his uh, return back in 2015, I believe, um, and with New Japan Pro Wrestling. So he's good at it, and people hate him. Uh, yeah. One I want to talk about that's totally opposite of who we're discussing, but everyone brings her up. Elizabeth. Yes. Yes. She I did mean, a lot. She did. And she was as famous as probably any female ever in wrestling. Yes. And she's a perfect example. Is you don't have to do too much in wrestling to get over. And that's what she did. She of course was, you know, um, beautiful woman, but was with, with this, you know, macho man. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, who, you know, kind of ordered her around that they able to get him little heat in the ring in the squared circle so uh but everybody fell in love with her you know everybody yeah. you know and and just how impactful that re- reuniting um scene was in wrestlemania 7 would um, you consider whenever, kevin sullivan a manager hmm he could be yeah i mean he, he was, he would be like a wrestling manager, you know, yeah. someone who could manage and wrestle definitely towards the twilight of his career when he was with dungeon and doom. Um, because he, he would talk for guys like the giant Paul white. Um, he would talk for, you know, the, the faces of fear barbarian and, and the uh, varsity Mange. club and the varsity club. Yeah. So yeah, he, he, yeah, he could definitely be a, somebody that would be a, a, a managerial. Do you think managing is a lost art? I mean, you mentioned Don Callis obvi- and mm-hmm. Heyman, obviously, but it's just, I mean, I, I think of those days when on one channel, I, uh, I have Cornette, I have 
um, baby doll. Uh, <laughs> and then on the other channel, I have Hart, I have Heenan, I have Mr. Fuji, Freddie Blassie. It mm -hmm. just doesn't seem like, it seems like they got rid of managers for the most part for a long time. Yeah, they, they definitely did. You, you know, managers were very few and far between. I mean, especially in the early 2000s after WCW closed, you know, I don't think uh, Vince really appreciated that that aspect of of, uh, of wrestling. Um, Why not? I mean, he liked Bobby, I'm assuming. Yeah, I, I would probably say at some point he probably wanted the action to be focused in the ring, whether somebody was outside or not. Now, he did have a few guys that come in, kind of come in and, and uh, would have be um, – have that manager role like uh our Almondo Alejandro Estrada managed mm -hmm. Umaga. Um, yeah, yeah. And you know, so you had a few guys, but I feel like nowadays things are starting to pick up in the managerial aspect. Like I mean, like Don Cows, but don't forget MVP is out there. Uh, you know, he he's doing a really good job with uh Omos. Um mm -hmm. I mean it's know, great for guys who can't talk. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It is a, it's a great tool. Uh, one thing I think people realize, especially anybody that's listening, that you know feels like that they could get into pro wrestling, still sign up for a wrestling school. You know, you definitely have to still be able to take bumps and you know understand that aspect of wrestling. Then they can kind of get you into a talking role if you feel like that's your passion or where where you can give your hand to the business. So um, I, that's just from my knowledge of just listening to wrestlers talk and, and things like that. So it this I think it's slowly coming back. I think a lot of these wrestling schools are trying to bring that art back. So we'll see what happens. You know, like, you know, you do have Paul Heyman out there. You have Don Callis. You've got, uh, I do like how they have like uh, Arn Anderson out there as the coach yeah. and, um jake roberts of course um guys like that you know, you know aw has done i think a really good job at bringing the manager role back before we wrap up there's one that i think doesn't get enough appreciation because so many people focus on the wrestler i thought paul bearer did a good job oh man paul bearer he was excellent i mean he did so much for the undertaker early on that without Paul Bearer, I don't think we would have the Undertaker like we know him today. Um, he is, you know, he, it was like two peas in a pod. And what was so great is they were able to use that relationship on on camera relationship to fuel a further relationship, which was definitely one of the best storylines in pro wrestling, and that is with Kane coming in. So yeah, I mean, uh, it was it was so good, it was so yeah, good, and then yeah. and then Foley getting worked into that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then the, I mean, I love the Ministry angle, Ministry of Darkness. Yeah, it was absolutely. A lot of fun too. Well, yeah. it was a lot of fun. Well, John Swallow with the Coming Down the Aisle podcast. Thanks again for joining us. And people, if they want to find you on social media, what social media platform should they look for? Best one is Instagram at coming down the aisle on Instagram. Got it. John, thanks again for joining us today. Thanks, Scott. Fun conversation. Thanks uh, to the Go coming down the aisle podcast for joining us. And if you've got any opinions on who you think the greatest manager of all time is, 
I'll mention it on the show in, in, that I forgot today. Hit me up at, at @goingringsod on both Instagram and TikTok. Send me a message, DM me, whatever. Um, and let me know who you think the go to managers. I thought about Paul Jones, the old guy from old NWA back in the day. He had Paul Jones Army. Ivan Koloff was kind of one back in the day. And there, there have been a Sunny. You know, she's had a lot of drama lately, but uh, back in the day, she wasn't a bad manager back back then. So. Um, just a fun conversation, and don't think this is the last time we're going to talk managers or Bobby Heenan or Paul Heyman. They're obviously going to come up. And the other part of the show, the Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift, Grayson Waller angle, we're going to keep following that. If anything happens with it, we will return to this subject because it will be all the talk of the wrestling world if Waller and WWE can pull something like this off leading into WrestleMania, we will be watching very closely. So thanks for joining us for another episode of Going Ringside. So glad you could join us once again. If you've got this far in the episode, please, please, please spread the word about the show among any wrestling groups or fans you may have contact with. We want to let the show know. And if you know any wrestlers who you think would be good to have on the show, let them know. Get in touch with me at uh, TikTok and Instagram. We'd love to hear from them and have them on the show. So thanks for joining us for another episode of Going Ringside. This has been Going Ringside with The Local Station, brought to you every Wednesday on your favorite podcast player, on News 4 Jax Plus, as well as the News 4 Jax YouTube channel.